If this is your first time here, I'm Pastor Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Fellowship of Grace, and we are really glad that you are with us today. Um, I want to give you just a little bit of history uh, before Pastor Kevin comes and preaches. Uh, as you know, our church is a church plant. We started 10 years ago uh, as a new church, and God has blessed us tremendously. And uh, so, so church planting is in our DNA. And uh, four years ago, uh, Pastor Kevin was serving a church down in Oklahoma, felt like God was calling him to church planting, uh, moved up to Kansas City, served with our church for a year as an intern, and then launched, uh, three years ago, launched Legacy Church uh, that meets over off of North Oak and kind of between uh, Berry Road and 152. And uh, they have gone through some changes over the last uh, few months, year or so, and uh, we have been talking about how to help them gain traction and just uh, push the kingdom of God forward. And as we have talked about that more and tried to figure out the best way and sought God's counsel, um, we began to talk about the possibility of uh, Legacy Church coming back underneath the umbrella of Fellowship of Grace as a campus of our church. And so it would no longer be Legacy Church, it would be Fellowship of Grace, same church, in two locations. And so uh, Pastor Kevin would become an elder at Fellowship of Grace, and the four elders then would, would basically run both campuses. Um, uh, we're not doing this for any other reason. In fact, uh, as we began to uh, share with him and a few other guys about how we want to plant more churches, uh, we were sharing with him different models of church planting. And uh, he saw the model of campus, and he said, really, right now with the lack of leadership and things going on at Legacy, uh, this makes the most sense for them to come under our umbrella and to get uh, some help and assistance from us uh, to just move forward. Folks, we want to do anything we can to move the kingdom of God forward. Outside of uh, something unethical or immoral, we want to do anything we can to move the kingdom of God forward and see people saved uh, in the Northland and around the world. And so we are talking about that. Um, uh, their church is actually going to vote on that next week. Next week. And um, then uh, if they vote in the affirmative to uh, cease to exist as a separate church and come under our umbrella, then we will vote at the uh, uh, October, at the, uh, I'm just getting really far from me, a July 24th business meeting, two weeks from today, we'll have a business meeting here. We will vote then to accept all of them as members and to then uh, be one church, two campuses. Um, big step for our church. Uh, but I think it's the best way to move the kingdom of God forward. And by the way, if you have questions or thoughts about this, love to talk to you beforehand. We will definitely discuss it quite a bit in the business meeting. If you want to come and be a part of that, it's 1 o'clock two weeks from today, okay? Uh, I've known Pastor Kevin uh, for uh, 25 years. 32. 32 years. Wow, time flies. Uh, Kevin was actually a, a youth uh, when I was back uh, as a, a youth pastor, barely staying above the law. And... Uh, there's just things you do as a youth pastor. You just like look back on it and you go, how did I get away with that? But um, uh, I was a youth pastor doing a lot of fun stuff and trying to lead some kids to just love Jesus and serve him the rest of their lives. And, and Kevin was one of the kids in my youth group. And, and it's just really a great honor to now um, see him just as a grown man serving God. His wife, Andrea, is here. And they have four kids and uh, just doing a great job of leading their family, leading their home and uh, uh, leading this church. And, and so we're really privileged today to hear from him. And so give Pastor Kevin your attention as he comes and shares God's word with us. Good morning. How's everybody today? I am so excited to be here and, and so feel so very privileged. And it's, um, it's kind of like coming home because, you know, we, we were here for a year. And uh, a lot of familiar faces and, and some faces that are not so familiar. And that's great. It's uh, good to be here. Good to 
good to have this opportunity to get to know you guys a little bit and let you guys get to know me a little. Um, one of the things that, that, that about me is I, I really like, I like March Madness. You know, I, I like March, anybody like March Madness? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a really cool uh, event every year that, you know, with the college basketball tournament. And, and one of the things that uh, about March Madness is so cool is that there, there's no style points in, in March Madness, right? There's just none. No, no style points at all. You, you, just, uh, you just survive and advance. You just want to try to, you just want to try to make it to the next round. You want to finally, you know, and then finally be the ones to cut the nets down at the end to be the champion. You just want to just keep going. And, and some of the best teams will run in, in March Madness, they'll run into uh, this hornet's nest of a, a little small team that's got spunk, you know, and, and, may, and may take them down to the wire, but as long as they have one more point than the other team, they get to just keep on going. And, and it doesn't matter how pretty it was. It doesn't matter how, you know, uh, great it looked. They just survive in advance. And Paul, in, you guys have been studying Paul and been studying how the gospel is advancing throughout the word, throughout the world, and how Paul has had all these things that have happened in his life. You saw last week how, how he had, um, had been arrested and brought before the Jewish leaders, and, and we're going to kind of continue on, on that part of the story today. And, and what happens to Paul in this chapter, in Acts chapter 23, is, is kind of a, just like a, a hiccup in his journey towards advancing the gospel throughout the world. It's not, it's not something that wrecks him. It's not something that, that destroys him. And, but it could have. It could have. But he, in, in this story, he, in this chapter, he survives what happens in this chapter, and he advances. And the gospel advances with him. And we're going to learn some things about, about us, about how we can continue to advance the gospel forward in our lives by looking at what happened with Paul. One of the first things that we see in this chapter, and we're getting ready to read part of it here in a second, is that, is that religion, religion is full of strong beliefs without truth or love. Now, that sounds kind of funny coming from a pastor saying something kind of negative about religion, but you know what? I hate religion. I, I despise religion because religion is destructive we're about a relationship with Jesus, okay? So let's read, see what God's word has to say. And we're starting actually in the last verse of chapter 22 and then moving on through uh, chapter 23. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I've lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of, a, of Pharisees, 
It is with respect to the hope and, of the, and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees Pharisee party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Now, like I said, I, I, I can't stand religion. Religion is, is man trying to bind himself up to God. It's, trying, it's us trying to, it's somebody trying to work themselves up to be, to have a connection with God, to earn God's favor, to, to, earn, uh, to earn heaven, to earn anything from God. It's, it's us efforting to, to please God in, in a way as if he's displeased with us. But if, we're, if we have a relationship with God, he's already pleased with us. And, and we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And see, the, these, these leaders, of uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this council that was, that was judging Paul, they, they thought that they were all good with God because they followed all these rules and they, they followed all these regulations and they, they, had, they had rules to protect them from breaking rules. And they, and they, and they just... They, they, spun their wheels in effort all the time, trying to please God. And they thought that they were good. But here, we see in this story, at this part in the story, religion is actually a barrier to the gospel. Now, of course, it's not a barrier that's going to stop the gospel, but it is a barrier to the gospel. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the council is, is angry at Paul, and they're angry at what he's sharing about Christ. And, and, the, and, and they have all this belief, and they have all this this trust in all these works that they're doing, and it just doesn't get it. See, because I can have all the belief in the world that, if, that, if, that 2 plus 2 equals 12 or 22, and it will never equal 22. I can believe that, that I um, can head north and get to Dallas, Texas, but that's never going to happen, Right? It's, it's not what you believe, nor, nor how sincerely you believe it, but what you believe in. And these men that were standing in judgment of Paul were trusting in their works and their knowledge to make them good with God when they needed to place their trust in Jesus. And how sincerely they believed that and, and how greatly they believed that, it, it really didn't matter. And, there, and, and, and then what Paul saw was that, that, that these guys had a lot of scriptural knowledge, right? And they had a lot of spiritual knowledge to a degree. And, and so he set them, he, he, made a, he just made a comment, and he, he was saying that, that, that I'm being on trial for the resurrection of the dead. He was talking about Jesus. But it set off a, a squabble between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because you saw in the text that, that the Sadducees believed that there was no 
afterlife. There's no resurrection of the dead. There's no spirits. There's no angels. And the Pharisees believed that there were. And he just sat there and let them, let them argue and let them squabble and let them fight. And it, and it really uh, it kind of took the pressure and the, the focus off of him. And they just they started fighting. Have you guys ever known people in church to squabble and fight and talk about theological or spiritual matters and get really angry at one another and really it takes the focus off the really important thing, which is Jesus? Have you ever seen that happen? I mean, we can do that, can't we? We can fall into the very same trap as the Pharisees and the Sadducees to, 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 to get all twisted up and all angry at one another and fight with one another over, over things that really, truly don't matter as much as the big ultimate truth that Jesus came and he died for our sins and we can have a relationship with God through him. And yet we, and yet we can fight about the style of music, about how loud or soft it is. We can, we can fight about different theological issues that, 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 um, that really don't, don't matter much. And, and we, can, we can get and we can fight over other things too. And, and, and it just, when we care more about being right than we, than we love God and love other people, we get off track. Amen? And, and that's what these guys did. They cared way more about being right than about God. They cared way more about being right than they did about Paul. They, they wanted to be right. And, and, and so much so that we're going to see later that they, that they, they vowed to kill Paul. And they're, 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 they think that they're working for God, but they're working against God in their righteousness, you know, in, in their self-righteousness, in their, in their belief that they are so great and so smart. And we can fall into that same trap. Have you ever found yourself just like with your spouse or, or with somebody at work that, that you just care more about being right than you care about the other person? Have you ever, have you ever, anybody ever done that? Anybody else? I've done that. I've cared more about being right than, than loving my wife. And that, that's when we get in a, you know, <laughs> that's when things get really bad. And this thing we see in this, in this story is that we can trust God's sovereignty even in the worst of circumstances. We can trust God's sovereignty even in the worst of circumstances. And, and the circumstances for Paul here are really bad. Let's see, what, let's see what the word says. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you've testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And when it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Now before you, along the council, 
Now, now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune as though you were going to determine his case more exactly and, when, and, are, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush and so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. And Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, and he has something to say to you. And the tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council. Tomorrow, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink until they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charged him, Tell no one that you have, been informed, that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen, and go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysidius, to his excellency, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him. Having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council and found that he was being accused uh, about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, called and brought him by night to Ant Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go with them. And when they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Sicilia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. That's a, that's a lot there. <laughs> Do you see how God protected Paul through just even a little bit of mundane kind of things? It was just like, we don't know how his nephew found out about this plot, but he did. And he let, and he let the, uh, the authorities know about what was about to happen, and, and God protected Paul. Now, we have, sometimes we'll run into really horrible, bleak circumstances. And, and, and things will seem impossible. But I doubt that anybody in this room has ever had 40 people vow to not eat or drink before they kill them. You know, so however bad the circumstances that you're facing in your life, you can trust God to handle things. You can trust him. You can trust him completely. See, Paul wasn't concerned about moving all the chess pieces on the board all Paul was concerned about was obeying God and obeying God in, in, sharing, in sharing the gospel and furthering the gospel. And that's what Jesus told him at the, at the beginning of, of this passage. 
that's what the Lord told him. He said, he said, take courage because you're going to continue to share the gospel. And if we, and if we are following after God and we are truly following after him, we can also take courage because we know that God is going to advance the gospel and God is going to take care of us. And you know what, Paul wasn't, wasn't, wasn't concerned because he knew that, 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 that God had a handle. And, and even if these men were successful and killed Paul, Paul knew where he was going to be when he died. And, that, and that's, really important. that's really important for us. That, that, we, that we seek God's kingdom first. Because Jesus said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things then will be added to you. We need to trust our lives with Jesus. Because if we've trusted our souls with him, why not trust our everyday life with him? If we trust Jesus to get us to heaven, can't he handle, can't he, the creator of the universe, handle whatever happens to us here in the here and now? He can, and he will, and he did with Paul. But that, that is, you know, I know that a few weeks ago you, you were going through the Shape series, and, and in, in one, of those, those, uh, one of those sermons, it, it talked a lot about uh, Romans chapter 8, and, and Paul was the one that wrote you know, wrote down Romans chapter 8, you know, that, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I know that you went through a whole, pretty much a whole sermon talking about that, that passage and how, and how if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, everything is going to work out for the good in order to advance the gospel. Amen. And that's what happened here with Paul. And that's what can happen with us. And let me give you an example of our, from our life. I had been in seminary studying to, and I felt call, the calling to become a, a pastor, to become a vocational minister. And I was working at an insurance company downtown. And Andrea was about to start to choke up. <laughs> Andrea was pregnant with our third child. And this was whenever the the markets went haywire back in 09. I was trying to leave, I left the office early in order to go find out if we were having a boy or a girl. We were having our sonogram. And uh, I got to the, got to the uh, gate and my parking badge didn't work. I'm like, what's going on? And there were two guys there that, that, didn't, uh, that weren't normally there. There were security guys. And so I kind of flashed my badge and like, hey, let me see your badge. And so I gave it to them and they said, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you're on this list of people they're letting go today. And I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and, and I went and I, I tried not to share with my wife before the sonogram, but that, that didn't happen because she could tell that there was something, you know, on my face. But we, we were already preparing for ministry. We were following after God. We were, we were following after him. And, and, and I told her, I said, honey, it's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And, and it was. We, I, I was just shortly thereafter called to be a youth pastor down in Oklahoma. And that, that's kind of led the, the road for us to be here. And God used that really scary time in our life 
to grow us, grow our faith, help us to trust him more, and ultimately get us here to where we can, where we planted a church and we're getting ready to join with you guys, hopefully, and, and, and advancing the gospel. Look, I don't know what circumstances are in your life, but I, I know that, that God has it if you're following after him. third thing that we see, and, and it's not in a specific part of the passage, we actually see this throughout this passage and really throughout Acts, is that God honors faithfulness and obedience. God honors faithfulness and obedience by opening doors. God opened up a major door for Paul here, because he was, he was testifying before the Jews, but then he got an opportunity to go, and you're going to see later that he got to go speak before Felix and, and another ruler, and eventually he got to go on to Rome. And God flung open wide doors for Paul because of his faithfulness and his obedience. And, and we see in, in this passage and in others that Paul, one of the key parts of Paul's faithfulness and obedience is that his is his attitude towards authority. His attitude towards authority. You see, Paul, uh, Paul was always very respectful of authority. He 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 always uh, deferred to authority. He didn't he didn't come up and buck up against authority. Even in even in this, I mean, you saw it whenever he was jailed. You saw it last week when, with how he dealt with the the Tribune last week. You'll see it next week and how he relates relates to Felix. And it just Paul is always very respectful of of authority. And even at the beginning of this passage, whenever he spoke out against the uh, high priest, whenever he realized who the guy was, he basically apologized. And he, and he had so, such a respectful attitude towards authority that, this, that the Tribune wrote a good letter for him. Uh, as you see in this, in this chapter, they wrote a good letter for him, for Felix, and, and it sent a good report. And Paul always had a great attitude towards authority. And in fact, let's see what he, it was a principle that he lived by. And in fact, he wrote about it in Romans chapter 13. And he said this, he said, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those... And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for you. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. And an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjugation not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And remember at the beginning when Paul said that he had a good, he'd always lived his life up from this day until now with a good conscience? And that's part of it, is that he had or, he, he'd always had a good attitude towards authority. And, it, and this opened up the door for the gospel. Now, we live right now in a very, as, as I'm 41 years old, and this time right now is as politically charged as I've ever seen in my life. The time that we live in right now. You have, there's, there's a lot of issues that divide our, comp- our country. 
There's a lot of issues that divide our country. And, and, and you know, from, from Black Lives Matter to, to, to Blue Lives Matter to, uh, to Republican or Democrat, and, and this year is going to be so easy for us as Christians to, like, at the beginning of, of, of the sermon, to get all twisted up and worried about being right more than loving people? It's so easy. But, what, but Paul's attitude towards authority and Paul's attitude towards the government actually opened up doors for him. Do you guys see that, how that happened in his life? And our attitude and our actions and our, the way we talk and the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we, the way that we speak, whether it be in person or whether it be on Facebook or, or whatever, can open up doors for the gospel. It can open up doors for us to, to advance the gospel, for us to share with people in a loving way. But we need to be sure that we care more about people than we care about being right. And we need to be respectful in our tone. You know, in, in 1 Peter it says that we, should, that, that, that we should always be ready to give a defense for the hope that's in us. But we need to do that with gentleness and respect. And, and we should do that. And, and sure we should stand up for, for truth. And, and definitely we should stand up for things that are right. But we need to do it in a respectful way. And we need to care more about the person than we care about winning an argument. And, and Paul's trust and, and respect to authority and ours, it really echoes back to our understanding of God's sovereignty. Because he's saying here that God, God placed the authorities in place. And so if we trust God with our lives, we can also trust him with the government. Amen? If God placed them there, then God can also direct them. Let's skip that. But if doors can also be open, doors can also be closed. So if we are hateful in our tone, if we are it, it, what, what if Paul had been a total jerk to the tribune? What would have happened? He likely would have been killed, right? What, what if, uh, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? If, if being respectful and, and, and being obedient, and God honors that, if we are disrespectful and if we are disobedient and we, and we are always bucking the system, then, then all we come across is malcontents. That, that, and, and, and radicals. And, and I want to be known as a radical, but I want to be known for the ra- being radical about the right stuff, you know? And I don't want to be known for being radical in my love for people and my love for God. I don't want to be known for being radical for just a cause, unless that cause is the kingdom. You know? 
So just like doors can be open, they can be closed. And, and so disobedience, un, unfaithfulness, being hateful, they, they can close doors. In fact, later on in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, uh, what, what credit is it if you sin or beaten for it and you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it and endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Look, if you're a jerk to people and, and, and you are causing problems in your office and you get fired for it, that's on you. That's not on God, right? But if you're loving people and you're known as a person that really cares about other people in your office, that's going to open up opportunities for you to share the gospel. Now, that only opens up the opportunity. Just being a good guy is not good enough. You also have to open your mouth, yes? And, and we, need to, we need to examine our lives and at the end of the day, always be looking at, can we say, just like Paul, that we've lived our life before God in all good conscience up to now? And are we continuing to do that? Are we, are we following after him? Are we trusting him with our lives? Are we looking for ways to advance the gospel? Are we, are we loving people in both word and deed? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this, this passage, this this. I thank you for your word that we can that we can learn from it. God, as we as we move forward throughout the week, God help us to help us to be known for our love of you and for our love for other people and our trust in you. And God, when crazy hairy circumstances come, help our trust in you to be unshaken and to be a opportunity to witness of you. And God, help our attitudes and our words and our actions be such that brings you honor and glory instead of tarnishing your name that we've taken when we call ourselves Christians. God, thank you for this example from Paul. We just love you and thank you and praise you. We trust you with our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.